0: Pills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Hoo doggy, it is Friday. Welcome to One Pills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you as we will be motoring into the weekend with a heck of a show for you today. We, uh, Before we get into the nuts and bolts, uh, some pretty cool stuff going on around the league. We'll get into that in just a second. But uh, we're getting close here, Steve. To the Easter holiday, and uh, I don't know about you, man, but I have a wife who's a chocoholic. Um, <laughs> it's all—it's already begun in earnest. Uh, what's going on? Where, where does, where does uh, your lovely wife land on the candy spectrum? Is she got a major sweet tooth or no?
1: Yeah, but she's training for a half marathon, so she ain't doing it. I mean, I couldn't even get her. Like, yes, I don't know what I was doing yesterday. I couldn't even get her to
0: like split a dessert or anything you know so she's wow yeah training for a half marathon she's gonna burn all that off anyway what is she, what is she i know
1: you're talking preaching to the choir bro i'm with you I, you know if you're running every day you know it kind of m- pretty much takes the limits off your diet right
0: oh yeah yeah uh, you don't even need a governor for the caloric intake come right i'm um, exactly so but still that's you know that's that's the shape I'm in
1: now. I haven't heard I haven't heard anything about that, you know, that part of the calendar as of yet. But yeah, Easter well, not as much as Halloween, but Easter is a candy holiday, right?
0: It is a close second to Halloween in terms of candy, and my problem is I don't have a giant sweet tooth, right? But because my wife does, it's it's around. It's just it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And I can't avoid it. And I'm, then, you know, you're you're cruising by the jelly bean dish and you're like, ah, I'll just right. take a couple. You know, I'm I'm Then not you pass big, it again. You take a few more. Right. By the fifth pass, you're like, what the heck have I done? Right. I'm not a big candy. I'm a I'm a
1: fan of candy. Uh I'm just not you know like I don't buy it and bring it to the house and have it in the house. You know, but if it's there, mm. I'm like you. I'm that's every the time I every time I cross paths with it, I'm putting it in my mouth. But I don't buy it you know and i don't yeah so yeah i'm with you though i'm you get to certain points of the season like halloween right just after halloween when the you know you get bags of that stuff or east easter i think is a much better holiday for candy than than halloween not not in the quantity of course halloween trumps everything but i love easter candy as a general rule the little candy malted eggs and the chocolate bunnies oh you like those i kind of do yeah i'm not a big fan of the little little yellow marshmallow oh my gosh gag those are horrible those things gag they could gag a maggot those things yeah i don't eat
0: those either the
1: little what are they called tweety
0: birds peeps peeps that's it peeps my my wife and kids scarf those down seriously like they're like there's a shortage.
2: Man, it's not like they not
1: good. Ah, no, that is not my thing at all. I am not a peep fan at all. <laughs> that makes me. <laughs> that they is make an me gag.
0: Take right there. They
1: make me gag. <laughs> there's a bunch of candy I do like, but peeps are a, like peeps and the little like the little orange slices that you used to get. G-
0: Oh, like the gumdrops you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, I
1: don't know Gumdrops, like sugar coated thing, like like foamy stuff, like kind of like Peeps, but it's different. It's like this. Oh, this, yeah, it's like sugar sugared plastic. It's awful. Yeah.
0: Okay, I, I haven't come across that thankfully. Peeps based are on bad. Your description. So
1: Peeps are the bad ones. Okay, uh, but they're you know most of the of the Easter candy I am all about.
0: Yeah, I'd have to see. All right, it. cool. Uh yeah, the only difference between Easter and Halloween is the crew isn't bringing in the leftover stuff from their houses that they didn't hand out because the guys <laughs> right. in the control room and the ladies, they bring all their leftover candy into the control room for, like, two weeks on end yeah. because they don't want to be eating it at home. You're not helping me, though, guys. exactly
1: right. You, and I'll say this, too. You you get it, – it depends on where you – you can hit the jackpot on Halloween. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, you're – You you buy a bushel basket full of these little candy bars or whatever, and all for for whatever reason, the weather or whatever, nobody comes to the house. So now you got a bushel basket of these things that you got to you know give away. Move, yeah, you got to move them somehow. You can't eat them, even if you sat down. You know what I mean? So you know all your coworkers, particularly you know you and I, we have coworkers who have kids, some of them, and they you know so they're scarfing us. you know, the stuff they don't want their kids to eat, they give to us. (laughs) Yeah,
3: it's amazing.
0: Uh, Coolest thing bills related that probably happened yesterday was something we discovered on social media, Steve. And I don't know about you, but when I saw this, I just said, "That's pretty dang cool." Um, Damar Hamlin gets to meet President Biden, uh, who lauded him for his courage in light of his circumstances. He was on Capitol Hill and trying to support a bill to get more defibrillators into schools uh, nationwide. Apparently, this is like a state-by-state thing, so he's pushing for that. Um, And obviously, a defibrillator was instrumental in saving his life, so he is the perfect person to advocate for that. And I guy got to sit in the Oval Office with the president. Yeah. And I'm—look, I'm not— I'm not trying to be the least bit political here, but anytime you get to sit in the White House with the head of state, it's big. That, that's pretty, that's pretty
1: cool. Yeah. And I'm, I'm he's 25
0: you. years old, Steve.
1: I'm with you. I'm the most apolitical guy out there. I don't have. I don't care anything about politics at all, one side of the aisle or the other. I think it's very cool uh, for Demar to be up there speaking to, on Capitol Hill, trying to get in this bill passed so that more people will have access to something that could save their life. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, very cool. It's a, and it's a big deal, and I and I, I think it's it's great for Demar, but it's also kind of a a testament to how big the NFL is, how big what happened to Demar turned out to be, and kind of a a real event. I think a, an event that crossed. Cross the line. Like, it's out, It's bigger than football. It's bigger than baseball. It's, it brings all of sports in together into this thing that happened to DeMar that we were all part of in our own small way. You know, all of us were who fans of the team. It's really a testament to how big that was. You kind of forget now, months later, now that DeMar's up walking around and, you know, leading a life. That was an enormous – and you and I have talked about what it did to the team. That was an enormous right. moment. And the, the effects are still being realized.
0: Yeah, I, you could even say it was definitely bigger than even sports as a whole. I yeah. mean, it was that was nationally recognized on on a on an across the spectrum yeah. scale. So oh, absolutely, yeah, perfect perfect advocate for that, you know, measure uh, or initiative. So hopefully, there's progress on that front. So if, God forbid, something like that happens somewhere in a school, you know, a teacher, an aide, a student um, will have access to life-saving measures right there in the school at the ready. Um, It's actually kind of alarming that it's not in every school across this country uh, with as as advanced a nation uh, as we are. We also – I want to – one last thing on the DeMar Hamlin thing, Steve – I, I was scrolling down in the comments from his post and it was clearly a Bills fan. They tweeted, all right, way to get the lay of the land for us Demar, when we're there visiting him next year after yeah. the season. Right. <laughs> did you see that one? I did not. Actually, that's a good one though. That I would not have thought to do
1: that. That's pretty clever. Yeah, I would not have thought to do that. That's a, you know, Bills. That's a good one for the Bills fan. Yeah. No
0: question. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying. I haven't seen the Chiefs visit yet, right? Did that
1: that hasn't happened. They don't. All it doesn't seem like they always do. Or at least we don't hear about it all the time. You know, I don't know that every NFL champion or NBA champion or MLB champion, NHL champion. I don't know that all of them show up at the White House. But you're right. Yeah. I haven't. And the I think once you go, I don't know. The Chiefs went three years ago, right? Um,
0: right. I don't know that they did go. It doesn't seem as either it's not publicized the same way it right. used to be, because, yeah. I mean, you used to see that routinely after a team won a championship. There they are taking a picture with the president, whoever it yeah. was. Or maybe they just now it's maybe I'm sure and I'm sure COVID had something to do with it being put on hiatus for a while. Um, you know, the last thing you want to do is. Bring an entire roster of players in through the White House carrying God knows what during COVID nineteen, so it was probably on hiatus for a little bit. But you know, now that we are in a much better place, I, I don't know. It just I was I was wondering about that. I was seeing Demar there, then I saw the comment from the Bills fan, and I was like, Well, wait a second. Did the Chiefs even get there? They might um, have because I, mean, I haven't seen anything. It would be they they have not. As we're being told they
1: have they have not, but I would think that that kind of event would probably be a little bit of a regionally covered thing. Kansas City people to hear about it and stuff. Nobody else would really right, care. Right. You know, I think it's gotten to that point where it's like. Nobody cares that there are guys in the space station going around the Earth anymore either. We used to have to get updates, right? Now it's like, oh, they're up there all the time,
0: right? I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, kind of where we're at. every space shuttle landing was a tel- right. Everything teledized. was an enormous right. that event. That doesn't happen
1: either. Right now, everything's enormous was an enormous event. Now it's like, oh, we got oh, they're going up and they're still going up into space. Oh my gosh, look at that! You know, nobody cares. It's kind of like that with the White House. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it the the first time I really started taking notice that when teams went was all the way back in Ronald Reagan's era. He used to have those guys come in. Yeah,
0: I don't know whether he. And was. they're usually a few months after the championship right. is won. What are we? We're only a couple of months, not even. We're like six weeks, a month and a half removed yeah. from. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The championship, the Super I'll Bowl. I'll say so this. I'll say this. Maybe Man, in the summer,
1: if 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 and when the Bills do go to and win the Super Bowl, I I want to I want to see coverage of them in the White House. I want to see that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward absolutely. to that, If it we'll, happens. We'll get our crackbuffalobills.com media video staff on that <laughs> uh, to cover it in full. And I'm sure we'll have uh, Michelle Girardi Zumwalt doing embedded on the whole thing, too. Why yeah. not? Um, so <clears throat> we are awaiting uh, some of these reported signings that are still out there. Uh, Taylor Rapp. we uh, which was reported as early as Tuesday this week, that he would be signing a contract with the Bills. Now, knowing he's a West Coast guy, I think we kind of anticipated this might be a little bit in the works. So we'll wait and see if and when official word comes down, maybe before the end of this week. So we'll keep our eyes on that. Well, Phillips. I'll say this. What's that?
1: Um, I'll say this. I... I met him today. He's in town. Okay. Taylor Rapp. So we'll see if it happens. Um, he's at least in visiting, if nothing else. Okay. And he's big. dude. Well, that works for me. He's big, dude. I saw him. He's he's he looks like a pro football player. This just in.
0: Well, that's good because he's been a four year starter. So I would like to think that he. <laughs> what? <laughs> your 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 comment just struck me as funny. He looks like a football yeah. player. Oh, well, good, because he's been a four-year starter. I would hope he is. Yeah. Uh, well, so yeah, that that yeah. would be
1: great. I played my entire career, and never looked like a pro athlete. So we got that. Thing. So that's why <laughs> I, that's why I bring that, that up. You said you said that. Not it's me. a sensitive subject um, with me.
0: So well, yeah. okay, that's fair. I I think you did all right, <laughs> all things considered. So I wouldn't right. worry about it. Uh, the other thing is it's Friday, and you know what that means. The OBL Fan Friday Mailbag is open for you to submit any and all questions that you might have on the Bills, free agency, the draft, the league at large, rules changes, whatever you're looking at that you have a question about. Fire it off at Steve and myself and we'll do our best to give you a quality answer. Uh, we do have the phone line's open to ask questions as well at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. And you can always hit us up on Twitter at one Bills live if you don't have time and you just want to fire off a question and either listen to the answer live or listen to it back on the Bills YouTube channel or any of the other places on podcast platforms where you can get the show after we re-rack it when we're done for the day. And we do have uh, uh, Mike in Buffalo, who's going to lead us off today, phone lines. So, let's go to Mike now. Mike, what do you got for us? You're on One Bill's Live.
4: Hello, guys. How are you? First of all, I'm a big fan of the show. This is good, good. I'm a big fan of the show. This is actually the first time I got through. And, um, Steve, I just want to start out by saying up until about a week ago, I would have agreed with you with the peeps. But my wife came home with some pink peeps, changed my entire view. So I'll say don't close wow. the door on peeps yet.
1: All right. I'm I'm no, I'm having an open mind. I mean, I'll give him another try, but yeah, my hopes are not high.
4: Well, <laughs> my football question is this. Um, first of all, I think these guys have done a great job with who we already had on the roster. We know we had a great roster. The only guy I'm still holding out hope for is – uh, Shaq Lawson, because I truly believe in his generational players. I think he's one of the most underrated pass rushers you got. I think that guy can still, at this point in his career, get you a sack a game if he gets enough burn on the field. But my question is this. As far as free agency goes, and I like the point that you made, Steve, that you really don't want to go into the draft trying to address needs. But I'm just looking at, number one, a team that's dealing with not having a whole lot of room under the cap and a team that let's just face it we got one of the best quarterbacks in the league this is going to be a passing team how realistic is it to think even if the money is possible that one of these bigger name running backs would go to a team like the bills knowing they're not going to be the feature of the offense you talking about you a free agent that? running back or a draft running I'm talking back about a A free agent running back. A draft doesn't bother me because I'm thinking if we can get the guy cheap, he's starting in. To me, it just seems like it would be a different uh, mental state. I'm thinking more like an established guy. There was some names thrown around, and I know at this point, I can't see any of those huge names moving. I mean, I'm not really interested in Zeke. I can't really see Derrick Henry going anywhere. But I'm just curious with the scheme that the Bills won, do you think that limits any free agents from actually having interest in a team? Not that they wouldn't be coming to a winning franchise, but that they might not be the featured player.
1: Yeah, I don't think – here's the thing. At this point in free agency, you're talking about running backs and uh, and who's available, and I'm, I'm looking that up even as we speak. But you're talking about a guy like, like a, a Leonard Fournette is the guy I think about. Um, I think he's a really good player. Um, and I think if the money is the same, players – and I had this conversation with Taylor Rapp today. I asked him about his free agent experience and how he was. He, you know, he visited a bunch of teams and all that. And I asked him about it, and and he said, and I agreed with him, you always want to go to a winning team. You know, you always want to go someplace and win. That's why, you know, he said Buffalo is – you know, I wanted to come here because, you know, they're going to be there at the end. You know, he wanted, they're going to have a shot at it. That's really important. Uh, for players who are out there. So um, I think, yeah, I mean, it's possible that some of these guys, the best guys out there, it's Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, J.D. McKissick, Mark Ingram, Rex Burkhead, Giovanni Bernard, Taiwan. we all know, Jarek McKinnon, Daryl Williams, Dontrell Hilliard. Um, Unless you've got somebody who you specifically want – at this point of free agency, and Brownie, you know this. You probably think this too. They're just looking for an offer. A lot of these guys, right? They There's a, a good to chance work. that
0: you could get one on the, on the cheap for sure. I don't think there's any debate about that. This late in free agency, you're closing in on. Well, week three is just about done. You're in on like week. You're entering week four of free agency. So, right. you know, I you're think you're getting to a point where you know you've got to really consider your options if you want to play
1: yeah and, and that's uh, the at thing at this
0: point in time now the the other route that a lot of these running backs can take is to wait until after the draft and some of their agents will advise as much and basically say look not all 32 teams need a running back number 1 but maybe the 15 or 16 that want to get depth at the position if they don't get it in the draft they're suddenly eager to land somebody post-draft. And that's kind of like the next wave when you see signings happen. So it depends how patient a player is willing to be. If they just want to sign and not have to have any angst or anxiety about it, they'll probably sign now for very little money. But if their agent can convince them, it might behoove them to wait until after the draft when a team no longer has any other options but free agency to fortify their ranks at the position. Now, all that being said, the Bills already added a free agent running back in Damian Harris. They have three on on the roster right now. And my presumption, Steve, is those three are probably going to be on the 53 man roster, short of landing somebody like a Leonard Fournette, which would, you know, affect the mix, obviously. Right. Because I think they're going to fill out the rest of the running back room with an undrafted rookie, or a late-round draft choice. I I really don't see them addressing that position in a major way early. Do you? No, um, I don't. But you you think about the philosophy,
1: and Mike, he said it himself, this is a throwing team. So you've had Tywan Jones as a special teams guy taking up a running back spot, a roster spot, only playing special teams. What if you could get a guy, and what if – you know, Jake Kummer is still out there and you've already signed Shurfield. What if you start going heavy at wide receiver to make sure you got enough horses in that stable and you go light at running back, you only keep three and you get a guy on the practice squad as a rookie is sixth round, seventh round draft pick, whoever, and you go into the season carrying eight wide outs on a game day roster and three running backs or seven and two, that kind of thing. Um, you could start to tinker with your roster like that because if you're going to throw the football all over the yard like a lot of these teams are, there's no reason to think you need five running backs back like you did back in the day. Um,
0: they may yeah, save I think the roster would, spot. You would want to have one in reserve at least right. on the but practice you can put squad them on that's practice the number squad. you were going to go with. Yeah, And you have Reggie Gilliam who performs on special teams for you as the team's fullback. So, right. So I'm, I mean, you can I'm argue thinking, they have four already if you yeah. count Gilliam.
1: Right. So you, you go do that, and then you can go heavy at wide out knowing that you got a couple of guys that are going to play mostly special teams hopefully every game of the season they're going to be fully special teams unless somebody gets hurt and if they don't you've got guys that can fill in on a, in a pinch because they're going to be wide receiver skill set also yeah and to get to Mike's question about running backs would one of these free agent running backs step in here like you look at Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette at the top of the, those are the top two guys and I and I think and Kareem Hunt the teams who are out there looking for a running back probably have inquired about those guys and said, "Okay, he wants like, for example, I'm just I, this is hypothetical. I don't know anything about this, but for example, to make my point, I would say Ezekiel Elliott wants seven point five a year, Leonard Fournette wants six million a year, and Kareem Hunt wants six million a year. Nobody wants to pay those guys that much money, so they're waiting. Right." They're, they're going to let those guys cook, and they're going to see if they can get somebody you know, mid-round in the draft or second round of the draft or wherever they can. Um, and they're going to take somebody else who's cheaper uh, because they don't have the money or don't want to invest that much in that position. So I would say the reason the guys are out there or still out there is because they are they don't want to play for peanuts, and they're only going to do it if they're forced to and nobody is, and you know, to
0: find out that they are. That's right. Because there's more teams without cap space than with cap space, That's right. especially for a veteran running back. And particularly 4 so, weeks
1: into free agency.
0: You know. Right. Let's get back to the phones. Let's go to CJ in Buffalo. What do you got for us CJ?
5: Hey guys, how you doing today? Good. Hey, uh, Good. How would you guys rank the young defensive tackle in the AFC East? And I know we have Ed Oliver I believe Wilkin, Christian Wilkins is in Miami, uh, Barmore uh, with New England, and who's Quentin Williams will be with the Jets. And before you answer yep. that, I got one quick uh, uh, April Fool's joke, if I may, just for you. Just last oh year, borrowed a friend's uh, ferret, and the fiance is upstairs, so I'm like, okay, I'll wait until she goes to sleep. It's like 3 in the morning. So I put, tucked the ferret under in the cover with us, And she's like, stop kicking me. Stop kicking me. I'm like, I'm not. So I jump up. It's a rat in the bed. It's a rat. And she loses her mind. Long story short, I found out what the couch was. Guys, enjoy your day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, CJ. Uh, I could have told you how that one was going to (laughs) end. You got a death wish, man. Uh, Wow. Okay. You like like to live on the edge far more than I do. So uh, you're... Just asking for it on that one. But as far as the defensive tackles go, I would probably say Quinn and Williams, I'd probably put in the top spot with Wilkins right behind him. They're like one and one A for me. Right. And then Barmore has still got a ways to go, I think, to catch those guys. He definitely has physical tools. I just don't know if he's as consistent as those other two in terms of game wrecking ability. And Ed is just a completely different player because all of those guys have prototype measurables. Ed does not. Uh, he brings other things to the table, but he's he's a much different player that relies on getting upfield and penetration to be an effective player at his position. Those other guys have everything.
1: Right. And you're talking about, you know, like and then you go to the Jets, they've got like Sheldon Rankin's uh...
0: Well, Rankin's actually signed elsewhere in free agency. That's right. they, he left. Oh, that's right. I think he got, went to Houston.
1: That's right. So they've got there's some guys around, um, and who knows where it's going to settle in. But I'm I'm with Brownie. Christian Wilkins is really good, and and uh, you know, and you look at the Bills with Ed, Daquan. Um, reportedly, it looks like Jordan Phillips is going to sign, although it's not official yet. Um, Tim Settle although uh is settled still here is he in a contract he is right he is yeah yep. okay He's got so one more year on his um, i like no? i like where they're sitting as a group but you're looking for a guy who's a home run hitter i don't know that the bills have one of those unless one of these guys has a breakout game which they have done from time to time phillips uh ed oliver as as well so um but n- not a consistent one so uh i think and williams is the class of it and uh and the guy Wilkins also in Miami. I got a. I'm, I'm with Brownie on that. Um, now, as a group, I think Buffalo more than holds its own. Remember, this is the team that gave up fewer yards than any of those teams last year. So, they still do a pretty good job of it.
0: Right. Um. Yeah. I mean, it. And look, when you have bigger-bodied guys next to Ed, it can help Ed maximize what he does well. Which I think was the thinking at this time last year. When they signed all three of those guys who are bigger, girthier interior defensive linemen hoping to draw the double team so Ed could get more one-on-ones and make more plays, it didn't necessarily materialize on a week-by-week basis. Um, We'll have to see if it it changes for the better this year, knowing that injury kind of compromised that to some degree, both with Ed suffering an injury in week one and missing some time, and then Jordan Phillips and Tim Settle missing time early in the season. Back to the phones we go and to Dennis in Lewiston. What do you got for us, Dennis?
6: Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Yeah, long time, no talk. It's been a while since I've talked to you guys. Look, I've got a, a question. I, I just finished watching the re-airing of today's Good Morning Football. And I've okay. got to say, I I really like this uh, Trey Tomlinson. I really like, I mean, I don't know if he'll be available at 27, but I know Porter, I mean, both these guys come from NFL bloodline. Okay. And they're both playing cornerback. Now, can you see us possibly if he's available at 27, us picking him up or do you think the bills value him at a second or third rounder? But if he's still available in the second, do you see us maybe trading up to go get him? We'll have trade day on one side and trade T on the other. I'll hang up. And yeah, I,
0: I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think Trey Tomlinson is even a top 100 prospect. Um, he has great bloodlines, Dennis. There's no question about it being uh, related to Ladanian Tomlinson. But uh, the issue here is size. Many people believe he is a nickel corner only. He's 5'8", 178. The, he's only yeah. got 29 inch arms. The last, the, and the, the, the so website there are I'm limitations looking at, there physically number one. Right. The and website then, I'm looking at, Bernie Steve, says if you wanna, he's five if you seven. expand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you can expand on it too, Steve. But this guy is a nickel corner only. And I, I, you know, while he played on a great team and had a defined role there and tested well, don't get me wrong, he's an athlete. He tested well, 4 4 140. He ran a 1-5, 10-yard split, Steve. I mean, he's an explosive kid. 39-inch vertical, 11-foot broad jump. But the issue here is size and limited role. He cannot play outside. Bigger receivers will eat him alive. And so when you have limitations in your skill set, it affects your draft value. I'd be very surprised. Maybe he comes off the board late day two. But he's probably an early day three pick, you know. Maybe, I mean, he might be fourth, fifth round material here.
1: Right. You, yes, you're not going to. He will be there at 27, no question about it. Uh, you know, I mean, but <laughs> and
0: 61
1: and he's going to yes, 89 exactly. And, <laughs> he's also he's going to be there for a while just because he's five seven or five eight, and he only weighs a buck 78. Um, he's certainly he's an athlete. Uh, certainly he's athletic and can do some things. He brings something to the table, and there and he may carve out. A really nice pro career but you know nobody can project him Trey Tomlinson as a 13-year corner uh, particularly a, a day he is not going to start day one in the NFL of his rookie season for anybody uh, he's just not he's just not yeah. going to be ready there's, that's not to say he can't work his way into a starting position at some point, but but at five eight or he's listed here at 5'7", seven, but five seven, buck seven, less than one hundred and eighty pounds. You're going to get manhandled, uh, and the fact that he can broad jump eleven feet and and vertical thirty seven is not going to help him enough. In my, he won't be able to be strong right. enough to to dominate physically.
0: Yeah, plus he has 29-inch arms, which might be some of the shortest arms I've ever seen measured at the combine. Um, it's unusually short, even for a DB. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see where he goes, but I, I don't think he's a first-round consideration. We got to take a break here. When we come back, more of your phone calls, more of your tweets. As it is an OBL Fan Friday Mailbag Day, we do want to remind you that coming up in hour number two, we'll get our weekly visit. With senior producer from NFL Films Greg Cosell, as we go position by position through the draft class with linebackers on tap. The Bills have a gaping hole in the middle of their defense after the departure of Tremaine Edmonds, and there will be a competition on the roster, but might they add to that? We'll discuss that with Greg Cosell in hour number two of the show. But more, of your phone calls next here on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here on a Friday. Hour number two, we'll have Greg Cosell joining us. We'll be talking linebacker prospects at that point in time. See what the film is telling him. But in the meantime, back to the phones we go. And from one Dennis to another is leading us off in this segment. Is Dennis in Tonawanda. What do you got for us, Dennis? You're on One Bills Live.
4: Afternoon. Uh, What are we doing? Uh, What's the status on Josh's elbow? I know baseball pitchers take like a year and a half. So where are we at with Josh?
1: I think his elbow is 100% uh, probably at this point. I don't think that – I think he was trending that way right at the end of the season. He certainly went through a slump in the middle of the season, and you can chalk up maybe some of his decision-making to the elbow, but I don't think it's physically now. I think it's probably 100%. I haven't heard him talk about it or anything like that, and he's playing golf and he's doing fine. So um, I think – he anticipates being able to throw and do everything in the offseason he's going to be asked to do. I, I think the elbow is a thing in the past.
0: Yeah, it was, he did not tear his UCL. That's the ligament that baseball pitchers tear, which requires Tommy John surgery and puts them out for over a year. So Dennis, just to explain it, Josh did not tear his UCL ligament. So because of that, All it required, at least from what the Bills told us at the end of the season, was rest. And it would fully heal on its own. So, I mean, look, if he tore it, he would have been out for the season. He wouldn't have been playing football. I mean, he did sustain some damage in there. uh, To what extent, we don't exactly know. But he was able to play through it. If you tear your UCL, you're not throwing anything, let alone a football. So, right then and there, you knew that he was not suffering from the same ailment that we see so many baseball pitchers suffer from and miss a full season for it. So that's the good news. And all indications that we've gotten is he'll be good as new, uh, come OTAs in may when they're back on the field again, let's, uh, go back to the phones here and we go to Phil in Buffalo. What do you got for us? Phil you're on one bills live.
6: Yeah. Thanks. Hey, uh, Steve, I always loved when you played for five special teams. You were pretty awesome.
0: Thanks. I appreciate it.
6: But uh, I just wanted to know, okay. Uh, my question is, I know our linebacking, uh, I think um, Milano is going to be a good uh, middle linebacker because I mean, you know, taking over for uh, Edmonds as a play, you know, being a play caller and uh keeping him in line. I think he's going to make the right calls and, you know, hope everything's going to go good. But I also wanted to know who do you think uh, for our, on the offensive line, what do you think about uh, that Cyrus Torrance? I think from what I've heard, both of those guys, you know, the two big guys there, that Tyrus and I think Campbell was the other one. They both look uh, pretty good. And uh, from what I've seen, I think they can uh, best fit the spot and uh, help Allen out in um, pass protection and or uh, run protection.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I would, I would say as far as uh, the draft options there. You know, we were talking about Osiris Torrance yesterday, Steve, and how the teams that were meeting with him at Florida Pro, Pro Day this week had high to mid second round picks. And because all of them were in about a 10 pick range, we surmise that that might be where a majority of NFL clubs have Osiris Torrance on their board as a top half of the second round grade. So logic says he would be on the board. If the bills liked him even more than that and had an even higher grade on him and wanted to take him at 27, Jack Campbell, the linebacker from Iowa is the other guy that he mentioned. And that's a guy too, that um, some people have projected in the second round, top half again. So it becomes a matter of what is your grade on him and where do you need to get to on the board to match the value with the pick. Obviously, the Bills pick at the bottom of round one and the bottom of round two and the consensus, at least from the draft Knicks, is that Campbell fits somewhere in between those two picks. So do the Bills, if they don't like anything on the board at 27, slide back to a place where the value matches what Campbell is as a player in terms of a draft grade? Or do they take somebody they like at 27 and then try to get up in the top half of round two and get Bull there or anybody else snatches him up?
1: Right. Um, They're going to try. I think it's going to be a guy like Osiris Torrance or somebody near him. Uh, you know, you go down the list of prospects and Torrance fits in there somewhere and anybody who is around him, above him, or, or maybe even below him is going to be the guy they're going to grab. Uh, I, he's, you know, from this end of the draft, he's as good as a lot of those guys, better than most. Uh, he's not one of the top elite guys that you're going to grab in this draft, but if you're thinking offensive lineman, he's certainly got to be on your short list because he falls right in the draft range of where the Bills are going to pick at 27. Now, there's nothing that says if, um, for instance, a, a, like a, a Skoronsky from Northwestern or a Paris Johnson um, or Broderick Jones or one of these guys f- comes down and they're available at like 25 or 23 that the Bills don't make a move and flip-flop with somebody and go up and get one of those guys, a, a guy who is an elite prospect. That right. could happen. But if Osiris Torrance is Good. there at 27, it would be at the top end of his range in this draft, but certainly not I a big reach. Yeah, not a big reach, but it would be considered a little bit of reach. The bottom five picks of the first round, Um, yeah, there's going to be some guys available. It's going to be him or maybe somebody like him, Uh, probably somebody who's yeah. even higher on this list.
0: Yeah, we went over it yesterday. Uh, The four teams that met with Osiris Torrance at the Florida Pro Day, either had dinner with him the night before or dinner with him after the Pro Day, were the Titans, the Rams, the Falcons, and the Saints. They pick 36th, 40th, 41st, and 44th in round two. Uh, Some of those teams pick very high in round one. Falcons eight, Titans 11, and the Rams don't have a first-round pick. So if you look at where all four of those teams pick in round two, I think it gives you a picture of where a lot of teams feel the value of Osiris Torrance is. So to pick him at 27, I'm not saying it would be wrong, but it seems like other teams have his grade a little bit lower. And so you wonder if that guy maybe isn't as attractive an option at 27 as maybe we may have all initially Anticipated. Incidentally, it is official. The Bills have signed Taylor app to a one-year contract. So that is officially a done deal, Lucille. We heard the reports earlier in the week, but it is now official. He has signed the contract. Steve said he actually met him earlier today. He was in the facility. So hopefully uh we can speak to him as well here before we're off the air today. There's a fo- Look at that. We got a photo right there at the ready. Um, so Steve had a nice chat with him. We hope we can talk to him a little bit more. Uh, here on the air, we'll see if we can they can squeeze us in. Hopefully they can, and you guys can all get to meet Taylor Rapp as well. But let's get back to the phones at 803 eight 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 five fifty two five fifty, and we go to Roy in Lockport next. What do you got for us, Roy? You're on One Bill's Live. Not much, Brownie. Doing good to see you back, Brownie.
6: And Steve, you got holes on the, on the hall. You got, you got holes on the hall, Steve. Big time. <laughs> okay. And I, I like to trade back in the, in the first round. Get higher picks in the sector on. They go for that Jack Campbell and and the, and the big and the big tight end. I think he helps out out a lot. Let me, let me see your thoughts Which on
5: tight that. end are you talking? Which tight
0: end are you talking
6: about, Mayor? No, no, Darnell the, Washington, the big one.
0: Darnell Washington. Okay, yeah. Uh,
6: Darnell Washington. Yeah, I, I like right. I like
0: that guy. We could turn him into offensive lineman down the road. Maybe like Jack, Jason Peters, we did.
6: I hang up and listen to
0: you guys. Yeah. Okay. He's- Thanks, Roy. Appreciate the call. Yeah. I mean, that that's going to be the rub here, Steve. If they really like Jack Campbell to fill the hole at middle linebacker, you're in a tough spot because as I said, a lot of people see his value somewhere in the high thirties, low forties bills, pick at 27. Do they just say, well, the heck with it. Let's just take him here. Cause we like him that much. Or do they try to line up the value with the pick? I mean, if you like the guy enough, you usually really just take the guy. Um, Yes. As long as it's not, you know, a round difference. Unless you really yeah, unless you're really confident. The case seemingly.
1: Unless you're really confident, you can get him later. Really confident. Like you know you're gonna get him later. And there's no way to know that. And if you're gonna get a guy, what, ten picks or fifteen picks above where he was slotted, at the top of the draft that means a little something. At the middle of the draft or bottom of the draft, it really doesn't mean that much, those ten picks but here's the thing if you're gonna get him and he ends up playing um for you and being a starter for five straight years like Tremaine Edmonds did you take him uh-huh. they, they got Edmonds at at 17 the 17th pick of the draft if you can get Trade Jack, up if, to get him too. if you can get if you can get the, that career from Tremaine Edmonds out of Jack Campbell take him at 27. take him don't mess around with it no. and and it, by all accounts, to me, Brownie, that's exactly who this Jack Campbell guy is, and there there may be one or two others. Yeah. Although I like the the measurables that Campbell brings, he's a big, tall guy. Yeah. Uh, the rest of these guys, like Trent Sensus, Drew Sanders, Dorian Williams, they're not very big. Uh, Sanders is well, a Drew little Sanders big. is the other Sanders two are. is a little right. big, but the other guys are are these six foot, six one, two twenty guys, and. That's hard to play in the NFL at middle linebacker at that size. So I'm if Jack Campbell's there and he's your guy, taking him ten picks or fifteen picks early, it means something at that high in the draft, up in the back end of the first round. But it, mm-hmm. it but it doesn't mean as much as it did if it's in the middle of the last part of the round. So um, you know. So right.
0: I'm as for Jarnell Washington, his value is going to be a little harder to ascertain only because he's very raw as a prospect, but his elite physical traits are eye-popping and some teams covet the traits far greater than others. And, you know, there are some that say, well, when's he going to actually be contributing for us in a major way? Is it going to take two years? Well, I don't know if I want to put a first round grade on a guy that's going to take two years before he's actively contributing to what we're going to do on offense. So I think there is going to be somewhat of a variance on draft grades for Washington, not tremendously, but I think once you get past, you know, pick 20, all bets are off. I mean, he is a Supreme physical talent. I think you have to assess all of the other stuff that goes along with it. What's his, what's his character makeup? What's his level of self motivation? Is he a guy that wants to be great? You know, it's all of those things that roll into that, that's going to ultimately shape the kind of player he's going to become and how much of his potential he's going to fulfill. And that's why these guys do homework for 10 months on these players. So they have a better sense of those types of things because the physical traits are obvious. Anybody can see him on film. He's hurtling linebackers at six foot seven, 268 pounds. That's insane. Um, anybody can see that. It's all the other stuff that they do the homework on to see if, Yeah, these traits are great, but are they going to pan out at the NFL level where you got to live football 24 7? Right. That's right. We are up against the clock here. So we got to take a break, but more of your phone calls next year on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Right, back here on One Bills Live, Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Right back to the phones here as we're a little tight on time, and we go to Trevor in Rochester next. What, what, hold on. What do you got for us, Trevor? You're on One Bills Live.
5: Hey, guys. Uh, I was just curious if there's been any talk around the, where we draft our players from, because what I mean, I think the Bills have done what I think. Brandon Bean has done exactly what he's done the last few years and filled our depth and needs in the in free agency so we can draft for talent uh, when draft day comes around. However, I just wonder about, like, where we get our guys from because I love all the Bills players. However, when we get to those cold-weather games, I just feel like we have – I mean, looking at the defensive line alone, we we like half of them at least are from either Miami or Texas, somewhere in Texas, like at Oliver's out of Houston. Von Miller's out of Texas A&M. He's played in Denver, so he has experience in the cold. But just I feel like Buffalo, over the last few years, well, we've built a dynamite program It's a program built to operate in a warm-weather state, not western New York. Uh, and so do you think that uh, have, has been any talk of looking at guys like Jack Campbell is a great guy because he's out of Iowa. It's a little bit colder state. Uh, but, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I get what you mean. Uh, I think probably, um, Trevor, more so – they do probably look at that sometimes and they see how the guy played. I mean, the Josh played in Wyoming, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I think they probably look more at the competition and the type of program they were in rather than the climate that they were in. Uh, I think that would probably have more to do with it. Brownie has strong feelings about the defense they play in the – what is it, the Big 12 – Brownie or something that you say they don't play defense in. Um, or the Pac-12. The Pac-12. Yeah, you get these conferences that are win- that are playing games and it's always 42-38. Um, nobody plays defense down there. Those are probably more concerning uh, getting defenders from those kind of conferences or offensive players who come from programs that don't score. That kind of thing. I think that's more of a consideration. Certainly there is something to be and said reason- for a guy that has played in cold weather and who has not.
0: Yeah. And the reason they all come from Florida and Texas is because those are two of the biggest football producing states in the country and have been for the better part of the last 30 years. You throw California and Louisiana in there, and those are the next two after that. The only northern states that come closer, like Ohio and Pennsylvania, and they're distant in in the number of players they produce for the NFL level. Right. So naturally, more of your players are going to be from the south anyway because they they can play year round and all this other stuff and. It's just where the better athletes are and the number one job is to take the best players it's not Uh, nothing weather conditions be damned right it's not
1: nothing there is some consideration put into that but they'll never let that be a deciding factor because take it from a guy I grew up in Kansas or whatever you can you and I went to Chicago to play football you can learn how to play in cold weather it's not that difficult Um, certainly on game day and plus the players on the sidelines in the game have it better than anybody in the stand. So don't think it is
0: that it's, you know, a deal breaker by any sense. Senior producer from NFL films, Greg Cosell coming up for our number two. He joins us after the break here on one bills live presented by Collider health. It's Buffalo bills. room. Back here we are, our number two on a Friday, and you know what that means. Senior producer from NFL Films, Greg Cosell, joining us as we dive into the position groups of the draft prospects for the 2023 NFL Draft. Greg here to help us chop up the tape on some of these guys. Before we get to these prospects, Greg, it is official now. Taylor Rapp signed to a one-year contract by the Bills which gives them an interesting trio of veteran players at the position now with Poyer, Hyde, and Rapp. Now, Steve and I have been kind of commiserating on this, wondering a player of Taylor Rapp's caliber is going to get on the field in some capacity. And we know the last year in Carolina, defensive coordinator Sean McDermott made use of some three safety looks. Do we think we could see the return of that with a player of Rapp's caliber now on Buffalo's
3: roster? The old big nickel with three safeties? Uh, you wonder about that. Obviously, they've been literally 100%, not quite, but close, in terms of playing conventional nickel with Johnson in the slot. You wonder, didn't they play a little bit big nickel a few years ago with Marlow? Yeah, with
0: Marlowe, Saran, Neal sometimes. Yeah. It was yeah, kind I of mean, a corner safety hybrid.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, this wouldn't be brand new. Um, You know, Rapp is certainly more of a closer to the line of scrimmage player than he is a back-end player, you know, just given the way in which he plays. Um, But you're right. I mean, he's not necessarily a guy you sign if you're just going to play him on special teams. You know, so they must have a plan. Um, And we know, obviously, because Leslie is not there this year, you know, maybe Sean has some different ideas about some things he wants to do that he, you know, hasn't done in the last couple of years. So maybe we will see some some uh, big nickel, which, as you said, Chris, he's done before. What does that mean? Who comes off the field? Well, if you're going to go big nickel, you're probably going to bring Johnson off the field, I would think. I mean, you know, or, well, let's think of it. Um, you know, obviously, it's been a team that they've played two linebackers for the most part. Uh, so they've been playing two linebackers and nickel. So, you know, they've been playing a four-two-five. Right. So does the 4 2 five now become big nickel on Johnson's off the field? Uh, unless they see him as good enough to, in a sense, fill a linebacker role. But I would doubt that. I would doubt that.
0: Yeah. I mean, the only other thing you do is go pure dime with just Milano on
3: the field and go with six. But you're not going to do that on first down or second. No, 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 right. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do that. I mean, certainly, you know, depending on how they see the linebacker position, we're obviously going to get to talk about some now. Right. Depending on who the second linebacker is with Milano, you know, it's very possible you could move to play dime because they were not a dime team. You know, with Edmonds and Milano, they, they, I don't think they played 10 snaps a dime all year. Right. Right. Let's, uh, let's begin with,
0: every Bills fans favorite linebacker in the draft, Jack Campbell out of Iowa, <laughs> uh, a guy who we found out is actually working in the pre-draft process with Luke Keekley who has only, you know, it's only gotten Bills fans more excited knowing the connection, obviously between Luke Keekley and Sean McDermott uh, having played under Sean. Now this guy is tutoring Jack Campbell in the pre-draft process. Is he, a complete linebacker for the NFL game.
3: Well, it's funny because in many ways, he's like Keekly. He's just not quite as athletic. Keekly was special, obviously a top 10 pick in a draft, if memory serves me correct, or certainly top 12. Um, Campbell is not quite that level of athlete, but he was one of my most enjoyable players to watch on tape because he just knows how to play. He played stacked backer. He's six five, a legit six five. That's what he was at the Combine. He was 249. You know, he ran... His his measurables were a lot better, I think, guys, than people thought. Although, you wouldn't say he's a twitchy, sudden mover. He's not that guy. Um, But then again, most 6'5 guys are not. Um, But he's really good against the run. I mean, he's one of those guys that has size, as we said, and that's a trait. He's got physicality. I mean, he's got that stack and shed ability. He sees things really quickly, which is what Keekly was. Um, Uh So it's high-level, Keen diagnosed, and then he reacts Um, And he had a really good mix in the run game of of being patient when he needed to, but then being decisive when he saw it and he triggered. Um, He had an innate feel for when to attack with aggressiveness and when to play with patience and assignment integrity. I thought he was a really good prospect. You know, and again, the knock on him will be that he's not a twitchy athlete, that he doesn't have, you know, the hip fluidity that everybody talks about that you'd ideally like to see but i think that he's just a really smart good football player
1: how about when he's in pass coverage now i've seen a couple of clips yeah. where uh, his eyes seem to be really disciplined he knows where to look he uh, yes. he's got good ball instincts he can you know he he plays the ball well for a linebacker what about his coverage
3: skills and and his ability to drop into the coverage in zone steve he's really good that that's his thing the question with him would be if and 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 maybe it's not a question if the bills were to draft him because Edmonds rarely matched up to the tight end it was Milano right so I'm not sure Campbell despite his height and his size would be considered at this moment in time a really good tight end matchup uh maybe over time because he does have the size but again you know if the bills were to draft him and to stay with you know the four two five um he would not likely be the tight end matchup, but I think the concern would be man-to-man on tight ends. He's a really good underneath his own defender. Another
0: linebacker that people have high on draft boards is Drew Sanders, the Alabama transfer who went to Arkansas, you know, and then pretty much turned into a dominant pass rusher. He was more up on the line, Mm. uh, but some people are wondering he should be an off the ball guy because they worry he doesn't have enough sand in the pants to play up on the line of scrimmage in the NFL. Number one, Greg, where do you see him lining up in the NFL? And if it is at off the ball linebacker, what are we anticipating in terms of a transition?
3: Well, Brownie, that's where he predominantly played uh, at Arkansas. He was an off the ball linebacker. He only lined up on the line of scrimmage on third down and in selected situations. He was an off the ball backer. Um, Okay, and he almost always aligned to the passing strength of the offensive formation. Um, And, you know, this is a new position for him because he went to Alabama and it was there for two years and he was recruited as a pass rusher. But obviously they had will Anderson and Dallas Turner, who's the next guy. He'll probably be a top 15 pick next year. Um, So he was an off the ball backer. And, you know, he shows a really quick trigger in the run game. I thought given that he doesn't have a lot of experience, he saw things pretty well and pretty cleanly. Um, I think he needs to improve as a tackler, which isn't surprising given that he he didn't have to make those kinds of tackles as an edge player in his background. Um, But he took on blocks uh, with strength, with arm extension. He, He played off blocks and made tackles in the run game. He's got great play speed and pursuit range. Um, he's a really interesting guy. Um, he's physically tough. You could tell he's mentally tough. He's a football player. Um, you know, and he's got really good size. He's he's over 6'4". He's 235. I would bet he could get to 245 and probably not lose much of his movement ability because he's got that kind of frame. Um, and again, he can be used as a pass rusher. He showed some really good pass rush traits. But I would say, and I don't have the number right in front of me, I would bet he played 75%, 80%, excuse me, of his snaps as, as an off-the-ball linebacker. And then you, you talk about guys like uh, Jack Campbell
1: and uh, Drew Sanders and, you know, they're big 240-pound guy, yeah, you know, big, Sanders yeah. even bigger. Then you get to the other guys on this list like uh, a Trenton Simpson who's 6'2", 235 out of Clemson, uh, who's coming out as a junior. What can you tell us about him? The, the rest of these these prospects we're going to talk about are a little bit undersized by these standards.
3: Yeah. And then it depends what they're looking for because Milano is obviously a a really good athlete and he, he's sort of the guy who does everything for them. Um, You know, Simpson is, is one of those really, really good athletes. He's a, he's a long fluid athlete um, he played multiple positions at Clemson, but I think he's going to be a stacked linebacker in the NFL. That's what I think. If you draft Trenton Simpson, to me, you're drafting him to be a stacked backer. Um, and ultimately, you know, he's he's got athletic movement. Um, he's a run and chase guy. Um, he, he's one of those guys that can play inside out, sideline to sideline with great play speed and range. Um, you know, I, I think that he plays really well in space you know, he's an active player. He's he's just a really, really good athlete, plays with a high energy level. And because he's such a good athlete, you kind of get that that impact playmaking dimension to his game, uh, which I think will be further cultivated at the NFL level. So, you know, he's one of those guys that he has that desirable size, speed, athleticism profile that obviously everybody wants. And if you're 6'2", 235, that's pretty good because, you know, a lot of the guys who have that profile are six feet and 225 he's six-two-two thirty-five, 235 which is good enough size
0: right but then the next guy takes a step down even from that 6 225 Diane Henley from Washington State he makes a lot of plays but yeah. are we getting are we getting into a concerning area with the size or does he just make so many plays that it doesn't matter
3: uh I would say it's for the bills it, it'd be concerning because I don't think you want Milano and Henley you know then you don't have any size at linebacker. Um, so again, I don't know how they feel about it. You know, I'm just saying that I think you probably would not want to be in that situation, but maybe they're okay with that. Um, but yeah, Henley's 225, he's a really fun guy to watch. You know, he's only played two seasons as stacked linebacker. I mean, this guy came out of Crenshaw High School in LA, he was a wide receiver, he went to Nevada played wide receiver his first 2 years then they moved him to safety then linebacker and then he played his last year just one year at Washington State in the Pac 12 um so he has still much to learn and understand from a play recognition perspective but this guy is a compact sudden supercharged competitive athlete i mean his good plays he he just looks like he shot out of a cannon he's got really good play speed and range really high activity level um you know but but Brownie, he's six feet seven eighths and two twenty-five. You know that's not really big. So you—that's ha- a decision that becomes a team and scheme-specific decision for the teams that are, that are interested in him. You know, do you want a guy who's basically six one, 225? You know, now if if Edmonds was your other linebacker, you might say that's fine. But you know, with Edmonds gone and Milano, who's a smaller line, because Milano. Was a kind of a safety in college. He's not a six-four guy, so you know the question is: Do you want two shorter guys like that? Steve, did you have anybody else on the list there? Or no, no,
1: I think no. I think we're going to take a break here. Greg, thanks for being on with us. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you again next, hopefully next week before the draft.
3: Oh, I'll, I'll be around. All right, I'm yeah. here. I'll be in. Oh, yeah. I'll be in my office watching tape. <laughs> That's I'm right. Doing that right
0: now. <laughs> we'll hit you up with another position group. So thanks, Greg. As always, uh, we'll be sure you'll be on it. For us next week. So thanks for the time and the insight.
3: All right, guys. Appreciate it.
0: All right. That's Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films, joining us. We take a quick break. When we come back, the newest signee of the Buffalo Bills, one Taylor Rapp, next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bill's Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And joining Steve in studio right now is the newest Buffalo Bill, officially putting pen to paper this afternoon at One Bill's Drive, Buffalo's newest safety, Taylor Rapp. Taylor, first, congratulations. Welcome to Buffalo. And uh, I guess uh, what kind of free agency process would you call this for yourself? How did it all kind of work your way? How did you work your way through it? What
2: uh, kind of tricks, if at all, was it playing on your brain? <laughs> Any anxious moments, et cetera? Oh, yeah. I mean, all, all the above, you know, all the all the emotions. It, you know, it's kind of, I guess, the because I've never been through free agency, so it was my first time going through. And so, I mean, another process, it was kind of like the, the draft, uh, even though I guess the free agency process, you have a little more say, you might have a little more choice. Um, and where you end up, and you know, obviously the draft, you you you, you don't have really any choice of where you end up. But um, you know, it was it was a whirlwind for sure. I mean, you know, I think Buffalo was was at at the top of my list. Um, you know, as as we uh, uh, you know finished up last season, I knew I was going to hit free agency. Um, it was definitely uh, you know one of the teams that I knew that was going to have a, a strong interest as well. Um, and so, um, obviously, you know, Jordan, he ended up signing back here, and um, you know that. That obviously little change changed things a little bit for for us, but ultimately, you know, uh, you know, every, everyone here still still wanted to sign me, and um, you know, still wanted to be uh, a part of it. And so, um, you know, it just came down to at the end of the process, just trying to find the right fit, and the right opportunity, um, and, the, and the best situation for you know myself and and my family and my uh, my future family as well.
1: We uh, we spoke a little bit earlier today, and I and I tried to relate this to the listeners, but give us an idea of, you know, you're out in free agency and and. You know, for a guy, an old guy like me, when I was a free agent, I was out of work. I mean, I was looking, just looking for a job, right? right? But for a guy like you, there was some interest. There was a market out there. How important was it for you to go? Because you you've won a world championship, right? And then you went, through, and then your team struggled this last year. The Rams struggled this last yeah. year with everything else that happened. How important it is it for you to be
2: on a team that's going to have a chance at the end? How much did that play a factor in your decision? yeah i mean like like i uh, we talked about earlier, it played a huge factor. you know I was definitely at at the top of my list in in factors um that that ultimately ended up making me making making this the the right decision for me um you know just like you said uh obviously i 've won a championship and i 've tasted it before, and um you know that 's something that i I, I want to continue to do for the rest of my career and you know, obviously uh, you know, this whole organization and the you know, this staff has built something very special. Um, you know, in the whole entire building. This is, you know, uh it's my first time being here in the building and I can already tell that's you know, very, very special people in this building. Um, you know, from coaching staff to performance staff to you know, training staff to strength coaches to coaching staff to the players. I already know the you know, the the culture here is amazing. Um, you know, a bunch of guys that just wanna grind and, you know, get to work, put their head down and, you know, ultimately just win at the end of the day. And, you know, that's all that's all I'm about. You know, I'm I'm all about you know, just putting my head down and uh working hard and, you know, ultimately just trying to win games. Doesn't matter how how it's won or you know, it doesn't matter how um you know, how much success you personally have, but um, you know, at the end of the day it's just about winning. So, you know, I'm just excited to be a part of this this organization and you know some some specials definitely brewing here
0: taylor you mentioned that you know jordan is back in the mix which obviously affects things but you've been probably a swiss army knife to a certain extent in you know some of the roles that you played for the rams is there a chance that i mean i don't know if you've been told a whole lot yet as far as a role is concerned but do you think you could be Almost the same kind of versatile piece
2: for Buffalo's defense. Yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, I think, um, you know, just going back to the last question and and what what I kind of touched on. You know, ultimately, it's about winning games, and um, you know, I just want to come in here and contribute any way possible, whether that's playing special teams to playing, you know, dime where we have five DBs on the grass, a third safety, or you know, different packages where you know Coach McDermott and the defense. Um, you know, develops and in, in, integrates throughout this offseason program and, and throughout the season, you know, just just any way I can get on the field and help contribute um, to to this team winning, um, I think that's the ultimate goal. And, you know, that's all I'm looking forward to. And, you know, learning from, you know, it, it came back to, you know, the, throughout this whole free agency process, the best situation, best opportunity, but also, you know, the, the opportunity to come into a, a great, D, uh, defensive uh, defensive unit, DB room, back seven, but also you know in the safety room in in Micah and Jordan, you know those are two all pro safeties that have great established careers that are great human beings from what I've heard, um, and you know just looking forward to coming in and you know soaking up everything I can from those guys and you know obviously they have a lot of uh, veteran experience and uh, they played at a high level throughout their whole entire career so I'm just super excited to come in and you know learn develop my game under them and help contribute to this team to, to win games and ultimately championships.
1: So a couple of years ago, you win a championship, and for a hot minute, last half of that season, Vaughn Miller was on your squad. Yeah, uh, you and Vaughn were teammates, and and there was a lot said, and, and and Obj came in. Odell Beckham Jr. was signed as well, and there was a lot of talk about those guys helping the Rams, you know, kind of get over the hump to get there. Matt Stafford had his his first year there, and you guys and you won the won the championship. How much um, is there toward to the thought of? Somebody or something or some player being that one last missing piece. What does that mean? Uh, is it a real thing or is it something that, you know, it just kind of turns out the way it seems to? Uh, you know, what? Give us an idea
2: about OBJ and Vaughn being added to your roster. Did it help? Did it hurt? Did it, you know, what it mean? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, those guys right there, they're incredible players. And obviously, the, the addition of Vaughn and OBJ uh, in our second half of the season was. It was int- instrumental in in uh, you know how how the the rest of the season played out for us and you know I, I think those those two guys played huge parts and um, you know us us even getting to the Super Bowl uh, you know making the deep run in the playoffs and then ultimately winning the Super Bowl I think those guys um, had had huge um, factors in that as well you know two two great players but also two great locker room guys that came in and um, you know helped uh, helped the culture and helped helped the locker room kind of you know be one cohesive piece and everyone kind of bought in, uh, you know, after we kind of, uh, you know, made those transactions to get, to to get those two guys.
0: You already mentioned, you know, now being in a locker room and a position room with Jordan and Micah, you know, two established vets, as you mentioned, but I mean, you came in the door with the Rams and and there's Eric Weddle and John Johnson. I mean, (laughs) how much did those guys, kind of shorten your learning curve and put you wise beyond your years in your younger, more formative professional years with the Rams.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I came in my first rookie year, um, you know, obviously e like you said, and, uh, John Johnson, JJ, you know, those, those two incredible guys, um, that I've, I've came into the room and, you know, obviously they, they helped me develop as a, you know, cause rookie year is tough, you know, it's such a, such a long grind and season. Um, you know, you come straight from your last season of college football and then straight to training, then the combine, then the draft, and then rookie minicamp, OTAs. Uh, you play a whole long NFL season, which is like twice as long as a college season. So rookie year is a grind. And, you know, E-Dub and, you know, J.J., they, they got me through that, and um, they definitely shor- shortened their learning curve for me as, as a rookie and you know, I, I, uh, you know, I owe the, I owe both of them tremendously for, for kind of taking me in under the, under the wing and, you know, teaching me, um, you know what, what it is like to be a, um, you know, professional football player.
1: Um, one of the things that happened, and we, we talk a lot about the world championship you won and stuff. One of the, you know, the after effects of that game was we have a video of you and and Danny <laughs> over here. You proposed to. Your wife, Danny, she's over here watching us in the background. You proposed to her after the game in the championship. Yeah. Were you going to do that if you lost? No, absolutely not.
2: No, so we actually, <laughs> so funny story. So I actually, um, we had a trip planned out to Hawaii. I was actually, I just came back from Hawaii right now. Yeah, so. okay. Yeah, as you can see, I, it looks like I have a freaking spray tan. I'm, right. I'm, I got some nice color, but um, <laughs> Hawaii does that too. Yeah, so, so I I, uh, I got some nice color out in Hawaii, but yeah, we we spend a lot of off seasons out in Hawaii. So we had a trip planned out to Hawaii um, two weeks after the Super Bowl, and so I was originally gonna propose then. And so I mean, I you know I, we made it to the Super Bowl, and so I was figuring out I had, you know had to um a guy do a personalized ring so i could you know right. uh, propose and all that stuff get that all figured out so you know i had my ring guy um working on it on the on the east coast and so i was like you know one of these days whatever thought that just came up in my head i was like you know what if, what if i just like do it after if we you know if, if we, we win, win. and yeah. i was like when am i going to get this opportunity again right. like i'm never going to get this opportunity i would, like so like it was a once a lifetime opportunity so Absolutely. i was like, I I called him. i was like hey man like any way you can get the ring done, um, you know, a few days before we play in the Super Bowl, like I might want to like propose to her if yeah, we win. If you, yeah, so if you lose, like, you can't do it. Right, right. right you yeah. can't. You, you just can't. wait till Hawaii. Right, right. So <laughs> I had I had I had plan A and then plan uh, I guess B, but it was really like plan one A and plan one B right, exactly, which is too great. You can't lose. Oh yeah. Um. Except I mean, in in Hawaii, I think I think she would have probably definitely known what was coming. And so this way I did a Super Bowl, she knows me as as a type of person. I'm not one to kind of do this type of stuff. And so she had absolutely no idea, which is kind of what I want. So I I flew out her whole family, everything. I I asked for, um, you know, the the father's blessing, the mom's blessing, the night before at the hotel, the team hotel, because they're all staying at the team hotel. Um her mom almost gave it away though. She was like bawling crying and and Danny was right there in the in the hotel as well. So her mom almost gave it away the night before, but luckily we got through that. But she had absolutely no idea. You didn't so. have
1: any idea, Danny? None? Okay.
2: She says no. She said yeah. I mean, no, she actually had she had no <laughs> I, idea. So it all worked smart out. Smart move though
1: because you got to have it. Yeah. If it. If it doesn't if the game doesn't go well, yeah. You got to be like, "Okay, just Yeah.
0: Right. We'll wait a couple of weeks, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, good though. for you. Is Super Bowl is the Super Bowl is the best cover, though, because you're bringing her whole family in, and she's like, she's not going to suspect, well, why is he bringing the family in? Exactly. She's like, oh, the Super right. exactly. Bowl. Of course, she's got, you know, Everybody's so that coming was, to the Super plus Bowl the whole anyway. family's there. So that, right. that was a great cover. Speaking of your family, just to kind of let Bills fans know a little bit more about you, Taylor, uh, born in Atlanta, but you grew up in the Seattle area. Yep. And your your dad is is a native Canadian, right? So you have like dual citizenship. Number one. Now, is he a Western Canadian
2: native or is he an Eastern Canadian native? Because we're right near the border here now in Buffalo as well, too. Eastern. So just a little bit north of of you guys in, in Toronto. He actually grew up in uh, Petersburg, a little a little oh, outside yeah. of Toronto. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so I, yeah, I, yeah. I spent some time out in Toronto. So. I'm. I'm assuming my wife and my wife and I are gonna take trips up. Tell to your Toronto. dad.
1: Whisper to your dad, saying, "Tell him to tell everybody he's always been a lifelong Bills fan because he grew up. In he Northern has, Toronto. yeah, yeah. yeah has. You say that now. I don't, yeah. Is that true? Yes, yeah. You're he just, now you're telling no, me. No, him the story.
2: and his friends actually would always come down to the Buffalo games. There you go. Yeah, full circle, totally Brownie. Cool. Full circle. Um, that is awesome. I saw
0: some. I also saw some photos of you, Taylor, uh, in a boat with a pretty big fish. Uh, I don't know if anybody's told you yet, but the fishing is really good here. I mean, they got king salmon up in Lake Ontario. Uh, no way! I didn't know what, they had what salmon kind of fishing. Runs out did here? you usually oh, yes. do out west? Yeah. No way!
2: Yeah, uh, yeah uh, salmon, like because you know P- Pacific Northwest, Oregon and Washington have yeah. like some of the greatest salmon runs. I didn't yeah. know they had king salmon out here. That's that's awesome. They know. actually
0: I- stock Lake Ontario with king salmon. They use it to control a bait fish population in Lake Ontario. So there are king salmon in Lake Ontario, which is north of us here. Um, You got to drive a little bit of a ways from Buffalo, but you're talking like 45 minute drive. You hop in the marina, you're on a boat, you're on Lake Ontario and you're salmon fishing. You know, you can't get anywhere in 45 minutes. No. Yeah. Yeah.
2: 45 minutes here is nothing. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll definitely look into that. Well, yeah, I got a guy I can hook you up with. So yeah, everybody's okay. got, got squared guy. away. Yeah, awesome.
1: Taylor, man, it's great meeting you, man. Congratulations. I know you're 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 taking off. You're gonna go back, tie all the loose ends. What's your what's your off season? When's your um, schedule bringing you back to Buffalo? What have they told you about the off season? You know, yeah. Time so frame?
2: Uh, off season program starts April seventeenth that right. Monday, and so I'll I'll probably be out here that that week before, or you know that weekend before, and um, you know we'll figure out living situation and. You know, my wife will be back home in L.A. trying to soak up as much sun as she can and bring it yeah. back here for there the summer. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I'll, I'll be out here all off-season program, so I'll, I'll be back. You know, we'll go, We'll be going back to L.A. and kind of tie up loose ends, like you said, and, you know, figure out living situation, and, you know, I'll pack up some stuff, and I'll be out here um, all off-season program, and, you know, I'm, I'm planning to, to be out here in the summer training with the tra- uh, strength staff as well.
0: Awesome. Awesome.
2: Well, congratulations. I appreciate
0: you stopping by and joining us, Taylor. Glad the fans got to uh, get to know you a little bit. I know they'll be eager to uh, be cheering you on out there on the field on Sundays, Monday nights, Thursday nights, whatever. So uh, safe travels back to the West Coast, and then we'll see you here soon enough. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, that's Taylor Rapp, Buffalo's newest safety, joining us here on One Bills Live. We'll take a break. Be back with more in just a second. Stay tuned. Welcome back to one bills live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you one segment to go and wanted to get some of the thoughts on the tweet sheet from OBL fan mailbag Friday. And uh, B Hicks starts us off, Steve with the following, who would you rather extend Daquan Jones or Ed Oliver? If Daquan, what do you see as the average annual value being? And if it's Oliver, what do you see the average annual value being? Um, I think we can kind of spell this one out pretty easily Ed Oliver heading to his second contract, wants to make a boatload of money as he enters his prime, where Daquan Jones, who I believe is entering his age 31 season, Steve, is playing for $4.5 a a year on his current deal. And I think even if he dominates in the last year of his contract, probably you could get him back for comparable money to his current deal. Uh, He would be the much more affordable option, even though he doesn't have as much of his career in front of him as Ed does.
1: Absolutely. Even even if he plays better than Ed, he's going to afford less money because he's closer to the end of his career. And when you talk about extending him, you know, he come, the question comes in, how long are you going to extend him? I mean, going into his 31 season, if you extend him, okay, he's going to be in his 32nd – he's going to be 32 or 33 at the end of the contract uh, playing one of the most physically demanding positions in all of sports. Uh, so, yeah, he – Daquan Jones – And even last year, he was a better value player. The team was much better with him on the field. All the guys around him played better. Uh, He seems to have the ability to elevate players around him because of his play, commanding double teams, uh, dominating single blockers, uh, just, you know. um, So, Daquan is is by far the better-valued player at this point. That doesn't mean he's – got the bigger upside possibility ed has always been a a, an athlete loaded with potential um, and has shown it at times fulfilled it at times, just not consistently enough
0: and that's been the big knock on ed right and not only that he's going to be looking for big time money he's currently playing for 10.7 this year on the fifth year option and logic would say he'd be looking for even better than that on an average annual value and While the cap is probably going to go up next year, I know so too are the contracts of some players on the roster like Stefan Diggs, who I think is contract balloons to like a $28 million cap hit. Now you can restructure that if you want, but we know Brandon Bean only wants to do that so much. I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, I don't know there's going to be room for a contract that size uh, that he wants. And he would have to put together a whale of a season to justify it. uh, That's far more consistent than what we've seen from him thus far. Andrew, uh, in the mailbag asks, do the Bills have a shot at drafting Jack Campbell? I think they do, based on our earlier conversation, Steve. There are some that believe that Campbell could be ha- could get a draft grade from teams anywhere from the bottom of round one to the top half of round two, and the Bills are in that area. They're at the top of that range at twenty-seven. So. Yeah, they could certainly get him, especially if they use their first-round pick. If they're going to wait until the second round, they're probably going to have to move up to go get him. Yeah, I think that
1: most teams as well value other positions more than middle linebacker. Middle linebacker is a little bit like running back in this day and age. Um, Yeah, if you get a good one, you love it, and they do make a difference. But you don't want to pay him a lot of money, and you want to get him cheap if you can. The Bills are a perfect example of ter- drafting Tremaine Edmonds and letting him walk. And who's Now he's making $15 million a year, and they're going to try and draft 17. his replacement. $17 million <laughs> a year, and they're going to try and draft his replacement, it looks like, at this point. Uh, certainly they've got some guys that are, um, finger quotes, good enough in Dotson and Medikevich and you know other guy, other free agents out there available. But Jack Campbell at twenty, if he's there at pick number twenty-seven, I don't even. I mean, that guy is just like Tremaine Edmonds is going to be treated exactly like Tremaine Edmonds was. You're going to take him and plug him in, and let him play for five years to see how he does. That's uh, like from the word go. And I don't. And this from a staff that doesn't really play rookies, as we've all noted, particularly on the offensive side. They certainly did with Tremaine Edmonds, and they never regretted it. I don't think.
0: Right. Uh, from John, what's in the ultimate Buffalo tailgate buffet? Wings. Beer.
1: Um, yeah. Some sort of meat product. Yeah. Um, smoked meat, smoked brisket, all of that yeah. stuff Pulled is pork, on there. Pulled like pork, Pulled pork, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it starts with beef and it's light on vegetables.
0: <laughs> right. I think that's it. Unless you want. Celery and carrots with your wings, you and, know, yeah.
1: You it. dip, you dip them into, uh
0: yeah, blue, blue cheese. cheese, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a number of different things. A lot of people might say beef on weck too for a true buffalo buffet, but yeah, it's usually some kind of long cooked, you know, slow cooked meat. Wings are usually present. Salem's
1: hot dogs are a big and, a big plus too. You can get by yeah. with that as well. That's usually. The hot dog thing is usually a post-game thing, right? You you come in, you've already been cooking the meat for your pregame, and you eat that early in the day. And then after the game, you get back, and while the cl- traffic's clear, and you throw some dogs on the fire and get them cooked up and have
0: something before you go home, usually. Yeah. Gerald uh, in the mailbag asks, with the 27th pick in the first round of the draft, what position could be best addressed? I think that's a hard thing to call when you're picking all the way down at 27, because it's really predict. What's available to you is hard to predict. So it's, it's totally predicated on what comes off the board in front of you to determine where the best value is at a certain position. Like the bills could be all about drafting an offensive tackle. Let's just say. And if four tackles go before they pick the value suddenly goes to hell in a handbasket. So now you have to pivot and look at another position where there might be better value because you don't have any more first-round grade tackles because they're all gone. Yeah,
1: you say it again. You don't want to go into the draft needing a position because it rarely lines up with where you're picking and who's available. Um, Brian Billick, the former coach of the New England, uh, the Baltimore Ravens who won the Super Bowl there in the year Two thousand, he said it best. He says, "Need is a terrible draft evaluator. Uh, You don't want to go into the draft needing to address a position. So if you do, better be ready. You better be ready to draft a player well above where he's projected. Otherwise, you run a huge risk of going out with a and coming out of the draft with still a positional emergency. So you can't do that. So right now, though, I mean, we've still got a ways to go before the draft." Right now, I think the guys we talked about, the position group we spoke about today with Greg Cosell, middle linebacker, inside linebacker, would be the best guy to get because there's a great one. There are two great ones, and they'd fall at value right where the Bills are or maybe a little below, which means they're probably going to be there when the Bills
0: pick. That's my guess today. Yeah, and that kind of answers this next question to some extent from Ed. In your estimation, what roster holes are left to fill, and will it be only draft picks to fill those needs Um, linebacker as Steve mentioned is one with, you know, the departure of Tremaine Edmonds. Yes, there are players on the roster, but you'd like to think they want to fortify that with other options in the draft primarily. And then you also have, I would say cornerback as a position that needs more numbers. And you could argue that they could add another receiver. Um, Tight end right now. You have two guys that were on the roster last year and Quentin Morris and Dawson Knox, Tommy Sweeney just signed with the giants. So there's a spot there. You could argue as well. Um, As far as the draft. Yeah. Probably is gonna. Be largely filled that way. Don't you think we're creeping towards the draft being more of the focus as a roster filler than free agency.
1: Yeah, I'm still a big believer in measurables. Um, If you're drafting at the top of the draft in first and second round, uh, I want to go with some money positions. And I know people don't want to hear it, I want to go either offensive tackle, defensive end, or tackle. Offensive line, defensive line, corner, um, and then – do what you can with it, maybe a, t- maybe a tight end, like you said. I think th- those are the money positions in this draft. Tight end's a money spot in this draft. So if they get to the point where they've got enough corners and they've got enough offensive linemen and and don't want to do a defensive lineman again, um, tight end might be a perfect spot at 27 to pick up one of these top four guys who are projected to be really good pro pl- football players. Uh, it addresses a slight need uh, because of the, two guy- the only two guys you've got on your roster and it also gives you a chance at a guy who is maybe as projected to be a really good pro tight end. So um, I'm, I'm still about the D-line, O-line, wide out, corner, and tight end. I mean, you said it, Brownie. That's where I'm sitting today. Oh, I, I always throw in a wide receiver. But in this draft, I don't know that there's going to be a guy good
0: enough available, to be quite frank. Right. My only concern with that, O-line need, as you mentioned, is I was going through the teams that are picking in front of Buffalo, you know, one through 26. I would say about 18 of them have offensive line as a need. I know. I, I think the cupboard's going to be bare. I do, too. By the time you get down to the Bills at 27. So I think right. it's going to be very hard for them to fill it in round one. Right. And I say this, too, Brownie.
1: Uh, we've talked about this. If it gets to the point where a guy they really want is available at 24 instead of 27, you could see the Bills package in their third pick or their fourth pick and their 27 pick and jumping up there to get the guy. Uh, If they really feel strongly about him and they got a taker, uh, I I couldn't even check that the draft order of who it would be in the early 20s that would have that pick. But that's something I could see happening. If they get antsy about not having a guy that they like left over at the offensive line at 27, and they get panicky, they would have that scenario available to them to throw the their third pick of the draft or their fourth pick of the draft in with that 27th pick and move up four spots to get the guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and e. Horst was asking us, you know, positions you rank highest to lowest in terms of needs on the draft board. You pretty much just did that. He also threw in his favorite Easter candy for him, chocolate-coated malted milk balls. Those are underrated. I, I like them. That. I like um, them. Are those do those qualify as an Easter candy though? I, I guess they do. I if, don't know. That, that's kind of a year-round candy.
1: If they're wrapped individually with an Easter egg design, yes, they're an Easter candy.
0: Okay. Or like a foil wrap. Yeah, they Easter make them bigger. They
1: something. make them bigger, you
0: know, for Easter. You can make you can make any candy fit any holiday, let's be honest. All
5: right. <laughs> uh, all
0: right, good. Good week, Steve. Uh, I'll be back in studio with you uh, on Monday, so look forward to that. Everybody have a good weekend. We'll see you on Monday at 1.